Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Starting verse 12, we're going to read through verse uh, 15. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. Here now the reading of God's word, John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. The very word of God, amen. Today again, I want to preach on the topic, committed to fellowship. Committed to fellowship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word and thank you for the people of God. God, I do ask as I ask every week that you would simply hide me behind your cross so that you will be lifted up in this place. Decrease me so that you will increase. Father, we need your word. So God, I do ask that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. You are my rock and my redeemer. Oh God, have your way this morning. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Today, again, I want to talk about fellowship. We're continually in our committed series, and we're going to continue talking about fellowship. Namely, I want to talk about friendships. I tried this in the first service. I don't know if y'all old enough. Y'all remember TLC? They had a song, what about my friends? Are they going to be? Y'all don't know nothing. I see some of y'all bobbing your heads with me. What about your friend? We're going to talk about friendships this morning. And I, the reason we're going to talk about this is because when we think of community, we think about fellowship. Our friends and who we walk with, who we do life with is very important to the Christian walk. But see, here's the thing. I think, number one, we don't really know how to have real friends. My man. Amen. We don't really have true relationships a lot of times, and many times it's because we live in this world, as I've said, week in and week out, that where the, the world and it revolves around me. It revolves around what we want in our lives, and so whether we are not trying to be vulnerable for fear of getting hurt, or we want people to approach us, or it's, all, it's just all about us, and so the reality is our relationships and our friendships are only ones that cater to me. That's not a true friendship. See, relationships, true friendships, are when you're able to seek the betterment of someone else. That, that's a true relationship. So we got to talk about friendships. Another reason we got to talk about friendships is not just that we don't know how to do friendships, but really, uh, this one goes without saying, we, we, we really, we've been in a pandemic for two years. 
And so one thing that's really been challenged for us is fellowship, these relationships that we have with others. It's been thrown out of, out of whack. And it's caused you to question whether it be a trial or something that's happened in your life because your relationships haven't been the same. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of our relationships have been shaky at best. It, it's caused you to question like, man, did I really have good relationships to start with? Was I, was I a good friend or, or was this person really my friend? I thought that was my girl. I thought that was my guy, but I've been going through it and they haven't called. They haven't texted me. So we got to talk about friendship. And lastly, we need to talk about friendship because I, I really think when we look at this passage and when Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, it hinders or we're hindered from loving our neighbor because when we look at our neighbor, we automatically think as a Christian, they need to be my friend. I need to do life with them, which is not true at all. Hear me, hear me, hear me. And let me free you up. Everybody you associate with or you do life with does not have to be your friend. They don't have to be your friend. That, that's not what loving your neighbor means. A, a neighbor can be anybody. Say that. A neighbor can be anybody. So when Jesus says love your neighbor, that may mean love the prostitute. That may mean love the person down the street that you don't like. That may mean love the enemy, love the Democrat or the Republican, even though they don't vote like you. Love the black, white, the Hispanic, the person that you don't necessarily get along with, the person that doesn't eat like you, doesn't do life like you. That's your neighbor. Your neighbor can be anybody, even an enemy. I mean, you, you look at the passage in Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus actually talks about loving your neighbor, verses 34 through 40, when he says this, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. When he says that, y'all, he's not in the comp company of his friends. He doesn't say love your friends. He says, love your neighbor. Hence, there's a difference between the two. Jesus in this passage, let me frame it up a little bit for you. When he's in Matthew chapter 22, when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's in the company of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. These are the people who would ultimately hang Jesus on the cross. They ain't his friends. But that doesn't stop him from sharing his life with them and sharing truth with them because they are his neighbors. But again, it doesn't make them his friends. As a matter of fact, in most of the encounters, when you read the Bible that Jesus has with people that he comes in contact with, most of the people are not his friends. Jesus does not even consider his disciples friends. Watch this until this passage we're in today. John chapter 15, verse 14 is the first time he calls them friends. This is three years in the making. This is the night Jesus is betrayed, he's taken away, and he's hung on the cross. It took him three years to call these guys he hung with on a daily his friends. The point I'm trying to make is that everybody we may encounter along the way may not be our friends, but that should not stop us from acknowledging them and sharing our life with them because they are our neighbors. So in all of this, the, the, the question that should be popping in your head is, what's the difference between a friend and a neighbor? I, I see where you're going, Pastor D, but I'm still missing it. What's the difference? Who are my real friends? Do I, do I really have fellowship in my life? 
And the reason this is important and a question we have to answer today, because some of you all in here, I need to free you up a bit. Some of you all are the type of people where you think everybody is your friend. You, you the Christian that walks around with a smile on your face and you're just like, oh, everybody's my friend. I love Jesus. You want to love him with me, too. We're friends. That's not even Christianity. The reality is that as I just walked through, Jesus wasn't friends with everybody. And, and you can't possibly be friends with everybody you come in contact with. Watch this, because everybody you meet and everybody you do life with is different. So that means that you got to be a different person with everybody you hang around with, which does not make you a good friend. That makes you a good people pleaser. Ooh. I know I just stepped in someone's neighborhood. It's impossible to be everybody's friend. And that's what, not what God is calling you to do. But on the other hand, there's people that are not just trying to be friends with everybody. You, you, you're the Christian and you're like, well, they, they do these things and they, they're, they're involved in this mess. And I, I can't associate with them because they're, they're sinful, this and that. Like you're perfect and your stuff don't stink. And you just like everybody out here is in this. And the reality is because you are judgmental, you don't have a whole bunch of friends, if any. Then there's the person that's just shy, lack vulnerability. You, you're, wait on, you're waiting on everyone else to come and approach you. You, you want the extrovert because you, you're an introvert or, or you're fearful of being hurt. Hear me. Listen to me, family. True relationships take a willingness to engage someone else, which means... There will be differences. There will be hurt involved. It will take a lot of vulnerability. Okay, I see some heads shaking, but some of y'all are missing this. How many of y'all have deep relationships in your life where you have not been hurt? I'll wait. Come on, married folk. I mean, y'all don't ever fuss or fight. No trials, nothing in your life. How many of y'all have a relationship in your life which is great? It's just all hunky-dory. We don't have any problems. It doesn't exist, does it? Relationships take time. Friendships are hard. It takes investment. Okay, let me, let, me, let me be honest with you all, a little bit open. Bringing it closer, closer to my home. Um, he didn't know I was going to do this, so I hope he's gracious with me. Pastor Steve, y'all know him? I love that dude. That's my, that's my guy. Um, he, he's, he's over spiritual development, discipleship here, teaches on stage. Y'all know Steve, right? Ball-headed like me, I just look better. <laughs> I got to mess with him. I got the mic today. Um, but that, Steve is one of my best friends. And I, I wouldn't even just call him a friend. He's more like a brother. We go way back. We've known each other since we were 12 years old. Uh, my kids only know him as Uncle Steve, and little Trey is only going to know me as Uncle D. He was there when my first daughter was born, Ramaya, in the hospital. He was there when my second daughter, Eliana, was born in the hospital. I was there within hours after he found out his mom passed away. We have been there for one another since we were 12 years old. But one thing that most people don't know is that although we are like brothers, there was a period of time of about two years that Steve and I didn't really talk. 
Yeah, we, we were cordial when we saw one another, but we didn't really talk. And, and honestly, I, 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 we probably didn't know whether or not we were going to really be good friends again. And you're probably sitting there saying, well, how in the world are you best friends, brothers, and you get to this place where it, it's tough and you're not talking? To spare all the details, the reality is family miscommunications happen, lack of vulnerability, people get hurt, feelings get hurt, all of that mixed in there. And let me, let me, let me tell you again, that's what happens in friendships. That's called relationships. And it doesn't mean that you got to have a two-year hiatus and it's going to be problems like that. But the reality is, is that there is not a you 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 don't have a there should not be and there's probably not a deep relationship in your life where you have not had issues. And if you got a deep friendship or you considered a deep friendship and you haven't had issues, I think you might want to question whether or not it's really a friendship. Because reality is we're. Two different people, sinful, different issues, self-centered at times. So there's always going to be issues. I, I tell you this all because, again, friendship, true fellowship, it's not easy. But when you have a brother or a sister that's, that's in life with you in the, in the trenches, it's a wonderful thing. But it takes time. It takes a lot of time and it gets hard sometimes. So hear me again. If you can't go through the messiness or each other's sin together, then you truly probably not friends. That's what I call a neighbor. Again, there's a big difference between the two. And I, I want you I don't want you to miss this between what a neighbor is and, and a friend. Christians sometimes don't know how to deal with the tension of being someone's neighbor and not their friend. There's a line, family. And hear me. Jesus does not tell you to be friends with everyone or minister to everyone. Engage them on that deep level. The reality is, is that when you share your life with them, that may be all he wants you to do at that time. So if they don't like you or, or if they don't want to be your friend and they don't want to hang out on Monday, even though you shared on a Sunday, it's all good. Hear, hear this. As we get in this text, I need you to remember, we need fellowship. We need friends. But that only happens if we love our neighbors first and we engage one another. You can have a neighbor that's not a friend. But you can't have a friend that's not a neighbor. Let me say it again. Y'all missed it. You can have a neighbor that's not your friend. But you can't have a friend that's not a neighbor. We all start at the neighbor realm. And it progresses to friendship. There's a difference there. So today I got two points and I'm out your way. Number one, family, as a, as a people, if we want to really be committed to fellowship, then we have to understand that we bear fruit by loving our neighbors. We bear fruit by loving our neighbors. And number two, there's levels to friendship. There's levels to friendship. Uh, let's look at this text a bit in John 15. This chapter is, is part of the farewell discourse uh, recorded in 
John chapters 13 through 17. This is where Jesus is spending his last moments with his disciples. They've had the last supper and he's in here and he's teaching them these last uh, teachings that he wants to give them. And he's about to be betrayed and, and taken away and, and hung on a cross. And in this chapter, in John chapter 15, he's telling his disciples to abide in him and he will be with them. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Nobody can bear fruit without being rooted in the vine. You, you follow me? There's no, if you think of an actual vine, the vine is what produces the grapes off of the, off the branches. It cannot produce the grapes without the vine. So if they're not attached, there's no, there's no juice that comes from, there's no wine that comes from that. There's no fruit that's produced. Basically, Jesus is saying to his disciples, in order to walk through this life and have it be fruitful, it will depend solely on how much you depend on me. Now, here's the thing, because some of us may hear this and say, well, you know, Pastor D, I get what you're saying with this, but there's some things in life that I can do on my own. I don't really need Jesus for it. I, I can, I, I got some strength in my intellect. I can do some things without Jesus. I, I, I can do all these things. And the reality is, is that's not really true. Whether you're a believer or not, the Bible tells us that we were made in the image of God. And so it made an image of God and Jesus being God in the flesh, second part of the Trinity, God, the father, Jesus, the son and, and the Holy Spirit. So the, the Godhead, the Trinity, we're made in the image of the Trinity, which means that if God made us in his image, then there is nothing that we actually are doing or accomplishing in our own good without the help of Jesus. But I know somebody's still saying, well, but there's still I, Pastor D. Look at me. I'm good looking. I, I, can, I can accomplish some things on my own. So the question becomes, we got to dig in this a little bit. What is this fruit that Jesus is really talking about here? Because I, I do think I can do something. Stick with me. I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood if I'm not there already. There's a difference between friends and neighbors. Here, this fruit here, this word fruit, say fruit with me. This word fruit here is the image of good results coming from the life of a believer, which means bringing benefit to the lives of others and advancing the work of God in the world. Jesus is basically saying here in this passage that when you abide in me, the vine, you will bear fruit. In other words, when the believer abides in Jesus, the believer does what Jesus did, which is love your neighbors. See, bearing fruit is bringing benefit to the lives of others and advancing the kingdom. He ain't talking about your prosperity here. He's not talking about your benefits and how hard you work and the next accolade that you're going to achieve or all these things you're going to do in life. He's saying, abide in me and the fruit of your life will help benefit others and advance the kingdom of God. What this looks like is that if you abide in Jesus, then you are generous. If you abide in Jesus, then your community looks different. If you abide in Jesus, your workplace looks different. If you abide in Jesus, now your marriage is working. If you abide in Jesus, your family looks better. Y'all following me with this thing? When you abide in Jesus, there is fruit that is produced because of what he's doing in and through you. Now notice, on the topic of fellowship here, he, he doesn't say when you abide in me, you will bear friends. I don't, I don't see it. 
Nowhere in verses 1 through 12 does, is the word friend even mentioned. Here's why. The mission of God is not about you and us having these comfortable friendships with everyone, but instead it's about people living for Jesus and his kingdom. And by doing so, advancing the kingdom by you sharing your life as a believer in front of others. Now, who are the others? Well, I just told you a neighbor can be anybody. I heard one person. It can be anybody. But what I'm, I want you to not miss is that these are a lot of times people that, that you're not comfortable being around. They're not comfortable being around you. Hence, Jesus says the next chapter, if you flip the page over to John chapter 16, he says the world is going to hate you because they hated me. Basically saying that living for me and bearing fruit will not always be easy. It will not always be comfortable because these neighbors, these people that you're called to love might not be receptive. They might just be flat out mean. But by you abiding in me and engaging others, you now bring glory to God. Bearing fruit and loving your neighbor. By doing so, you're advancing the kingdom of God. It, it's you living your life out and sharing your life in front of others. But hear me again. All neighbors will not become friends. I keep saying this because I need to free somebody up. Everybody ain't your friend. Verse 12, he, he keeps going and he... He intensifies this, this statement, bear, bearing fruit, and he says, this isn't just something I'm saying. He says, this is my commandment, which is to love one another as I've loved you. This is another way of saying love your neighbor as yourself. He, he's saying, I gave up everything for you to come down here and to die and to be with you. I'm about to die the worst kind of death. People still don't believe in me. They're, they're literally enemies of mine because they're sinful and I'm sinless, but I love them and I'm still going to give my life up. See, Jesus says, I, I want you to love your neighbor as I've loved you, which is by believers seeing the line in front of them that may divide them, that line that may be a racial line. It may be a social economic line. It, it may be a line that says, that's my enemy over there. I don't like them. Instead of looking at the line and saying, I'm not going I'm, I'm to cross the line, the believer says, I'm going to cross the line and engage that person with my life. And you know why? Because that's exactly what Jesus has done for you. He, sit, he sat in the confines of heaven and he, he saw the line, the, the, the sinful line, this line where we weren't going to make it to God because of our sin. And what does he do? He steps out of heaven, born in the likeness of man, in flesh, God in the flesh, raised like us. He's sinless. He goes through stuff like we do without sin. And then he finds out or looks at us and says, they still ain't going to be able to uphold the standard. It's not good enough for me to show them the way. I got to make a way. So what does he do? He goes to the cross and he hangs on the cross and dies. So believers cross the line and engage others with their lives because Jesus did the same thing for us. But when he did it again, we weren't his friends. We were neighbors. He's telling them, cross the line. Love your neighbors. That's the fruit. The point is that the believer is commanded to love 
thy neighbor and share his life with whoever it is and everyone, no matter who they are. But again, that doesn't mean they're your friend. Now you ask, Pastor D, why do you keep saying that? Why do we keep saying that? It's important to understand the difference between neighbors and friends, especially as we're coming out of this pandemic where we're figuring out this whole re-entering spaces that we haven't been in. Look at verse 13 here, because I know somebody's saying, well, what's a friend? Look at verse 13. Jesus switches from talking about bearing fruit. I love this by laying out criteria now for friendship. He lets us know the difference between a neighbor and a friend. Look at the passage with me. He says, greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Now there's three things here that Jesus says to distinguish neighbors from friends. Number one. He teaches us in verse 13 that friends give up their lives for one another. Basically, a true friend will seek the betterment of someone else. It's not always about them. That's number one. They seek the betterment of someone else. Number two, verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Meaning true friends believe the same thing. This means that it's impossible to have a really deep friendship with somebody if you don't believe in the same religion or the same faith. There will always be something in the way of going to that extra depth. You don't believe the same thing. So number one, the, the true friend seeks the betterment of someone else. Number two, they believe the same thing. The last criteria that Jesus gives here in verse 15 is he says that I've been vulnerable with you. I've shared everything that I know from my father. In essence, he's saying true friends have to be comfortable with one another. They have to be vulnerable with one another. So you have to be comfortable and vulnerable. Then you have to seek the betterment of someone else, you also have to be able to believe the same thing. I, I love um, what Jesus says here, and I, I've read more about this friendship piece, and I've shared this with some of you all as you sat in my office, and there's a book that I love by the late uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. He, he wrote this book called Waiting and Dating. Anybody read that? I've told some of you all about it. Waiting and Dating. I love this one. I read it when I was single, and um, so who, who's single in here? Come on. Go ahead and rock that hand. It's all good. I'm not going to have you do nothing. I just wanted to see you. This is an awesome book. I read it when I was single. I also read it when I was engaged, waiting and dating. Um, and it talks about this, this whole understanding of friendship. He takes the Jesus saying, Jesus saying love others, and he, he gives you four categories for friendship. And he says there's four levels of friendship. Number one, you have acquaintances. Number two, you have casual friends. Number three, you have close friends. And the last one is intimate friends. Acquaintances, casual friends, close and intimate friends. Now, notice that neighbors is not on that list. Because a neighbor can be anybody. A neighbor can be an enemy. Doesn't necessarily mean they're a friend. But if they are a friend, they start at the level of acquaintance. And acquaintance are the folks that you meet once and y'all hit it off, and, but you may not spend time together all the time, but you have some level of commonality. You see them once a year and y'all can have a good convo. That's an acquaintance. 
casual friends it goes a step higher these are the people that you hang out with every now and then y'all 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 hit it off you have good conversations you dream together you you have the same ideas maybe some hopes and you got the same interests and so you hang out and these friendships tend to grow pretty quickly close friends is kind of like casual friends but there's one big difference between a close friend and a casual friend a close friend y'all believe the same thing and so you, you don't just have the same ideas, the same dreams, the same interests, but y'all, you believe the same thing on a spiritual level. You, you believe in Jesus. You all are able to take it to a different level. Uh, this is where the Bible gets the word fellowship. This is that level of friendship, the fellowship of believers. We see this in Acts chapter 242, where it says the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the, to the prayer, to the breaking of bread, and the the, the fellowship, the fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. I, I love this one because it's, it's required for believers to grow. If we don't have the right type of fellowship, we're missing out on what God has for us. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Family, don't miss this again, especially, as I said earlier, re-entering now or re-engaging in your church or your small group or, or you're re-entering work for the first time or wherever you're going. This is important. We need to have close friends. We need to have fellowship, people that walk with us, people that care for us, that can keep us accountable, that challenge us, that encourage us. When we get off the path, they can say, no, 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 we got to do this. We can't do this. This is, this is what Jesus is calling us to do. Believers, let alone everyone in here that may not even believe, needs this type of relationship in their life. We need close friends. And the reason I'm being passionate about this one right now is because this is probably the space that most of us have missed in the last two years. We haven't really had close fellowship. We haven't really had close friends in our life. We've all needed this. If I'm honest, I needed it. I, I still need it. When the pandemic hit, two months into the pandemic, I was hanging out with a group of pastors every week. And, and we were just kicking it, y'all, kicking back. I didn't have to be a pastor. I literally let my hair down. I mean, I don't got no hair. I, I, I could just be me is what I'm saying. I, I didn't have to be anybody else. We need that type of fellowship. We need that type of relationship. I ain't got to worry about what they believe. We believe the same thing. We do the same thing. We're kicking it. Do you have that type of relationship in your life? That type of fellowship. It's important. And it's biblical. That's the fellowship of believers that we see in the Bible. Lastly, and I'm going to spend a, some time here, there, there, there are intimate friends, which is based upon a commitment to generously invest in one another's life with the goal of helping each other to mature in godly character. At this level, hear me, there should not be a whole bunch of people. Thanks, Tillman. I think you're the only one that got it. There should not be a whole bunch of people on this level. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
This is a bond commonly shared between a husband and wife. This is the level where you talk to this person possibly every day about everything. Y'all believe the same thing, have the same life goals. You comfort one another when you're going through trials. This is the level where you would literally die for someone if you had to. And frankly, outside of your spouse, and this is for people that are married and not married, there's probably only one or two people that are on this level in your life. I know I'm in someone's neighborhood because you like, Pastor D, you don't know my life. I got all kind of friends on this level. No, you don't. And the reality is, is that the pandemic has probably sorted that out for you pretty quickly. The people that you thought were your intimate friends, you started going through some stuff, you didn't get a call. Or they called you and all they talked about was themselves. And now you're sitting there questioning like, man, I, I thought I had some good friends. Do I really have intimate, close friends like that? It's causing you to question a lot. Friends, hear me. With such a deep level of commitment and commonality with one another, there is no way this group can be huge. I know you got your good group of guys, and that's my dog, that's my girl. There's usually only one or two out of your crew that you really click with, if you're honest. One of these intimate friends, if you're married, is your spouse. But hear me, and I, I'm going to be honest about this one. If you're married, then your spouse can't be your only intimate friend. There has to be someone outside of your marriage, uh, and I'm going to say of the same sex as you, that you can go there on this level with. I don't, hope I don't have to explain that. You can't have homegirl on the side and your wife's at home. I mean, just don't make... It, you can't even have another intimate friend of the same sex outside of the marriage. It's a little tough. If you're going to live the biblical picture of marriage between a man and a woman and honor that, it's going to be tough. It's only, two, it's only one queen in the household. Same thing for the king. Only one king in the household. You, you, it just does not work if you want to live the biblical picture of marriage. And so the other side of that is that if you're going to have, uh, you, you, you want to have the same sex outside of that is because you need to have somebody that can walk alongside you that can know you, that, that can call you out on some things and, and loves you, loves Jesus more than they love you. And the reality is when they do that, I'm saying walk outside, well, they're outside of your marriage because if you're a man, for example, or a woman in marriage, and I'm gonna just throw this example out there. If you're someone that struggles with pornography, I'm not saying a man or a woman because both of you could do it. Men and women do struggle with it. You don't want your spouse to be your accountability partner in this. Why, Pastor D? I'm not saying you should lie to them. They should definitely know you struggle and you have things that you're working through. But you need somebody to walk alongside you that can call you up, that can keep you accountable, that can push you towards Jesus. Because if the only person you're dependent on and you're telling about this, telling the struggle to is, is your spouse, you may be thinking you're open and honest about all the details, but in the long run, you're going to hurt them. You're going to hurt them. And I'm not telling you to exist in the struggle and keep rolling in it like it's all good and you got your accountability. No, that person should be pushing you towards Jesus, which means that you want to leave that stuff and you don't want to do it anymore. But your spouse can't be the only one with some of the struggles in your life that's walking you through it. Am I making sense here? 
You got to have someone else outside of that. And that intimate friend is most likely the same sex as you. It's hard to live the biblical picture of marriage. Marriage. And so when you get married, if you have same sex uh, people outside that, not same sex, opposite sex that you're, that are your friends and this and that, I'm going to just be honest, that person probably ain't intimate no more. They got to drop down to all the way to like acquaintance level or something if you want that relationship with your wife or your husband to work. But what I'm trying to really get at is that, friends, we need this level of friendship. And the reason I'm spending so much time here is because this is the level of friendship that we like to throw everybody into. How many of y'all been in a small group before where the first day somebody just shares their whole life? They talk for 20 minutes and this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm going. And it's men and women all in the group. And you're like, bro, I don't know you yet. Chill. But we thirst for this level of intimacy. We need this type of friendship. And we do. But everybody is not on this level of friendship in your life. Friends, hear me. You have to do the work of discerning the level of friendship you have with others. Outside of my wife, there's only a few people that fit in this category. Steve is one of them. I love all of y'all, but I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm being a little too honest. But everybody's not on that level of friendship. And it's not healthy to have everybody on that level, is what I'm trying to say. Every friend is not the same. You even see this with Jesus and the disciples. So this isn't something I'm just making up. Jesus has 12 disciples, and within the 12, there's three dudes that he kicks it with. John, James, and Peter. Those are his role guys. Those are the guys he rolls with. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration with him. They were with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Those are the guys that are with him. Hear me, this is the problem with dating and marriage. We don't, we don't walk through the proper levels of friendship. We, we start, we meet the first day, and it was like, cool, I like you. And then by the end of the night or the end of the week, we're sleeping together. The reality is, family, that thing ain't going to work out unless God just intervenes in it and, and pulls it back together. Because you haven't walked through the proper levels of friendship. Single person in here, hear me, hear me with this one. Don't be so hasty to get married. Don't date too fast. Stop being so spicy out here in the streets. Y'all don't even know what that means. It means just dating everybody and anybody. I, I just be acquaintances first. Then casual friends, then close friends, and then work to that level of intimacy where you get engaged, then you get married and become intimate friends. Okay, I, it's enough about relationships. This is honestly also the problem with work relationships. I saw a couple of people say, uh-huh. We don't know how to have jobs anymore and a proper relationship with our boss. Especially because everybody's thirsting with, for this. So in the Zoom world, we're all kicking it. We're like, yo, that's my boss. We're on Zoom together. We're hanging out. And, and sometimes you may hang out with one another outside. And you're like, we're cool. And then your boss tells you to do something. You're like... Mad because he told you to do something. I thought we were cool. Let me help you. I don't care how cool your boss is. It's still your boss. It's still your boss. 
And so even if they kind of cross the lines and they're hanging out and y'all kicking it, you can hang. But even when you're outside in public with them, remember the relationship. That's still my boss. Do the work of discerning the relationship. Keep your boundaries correct. Respect that person. Don't blur the lines, even if he or she does. My point in all of this, family, is that friendships take time. It takes time. And they're essential to your walk with God. As I said in the beginning, the first step to friendship it begins with loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor which may escalate into a true friendship, but that doesn't mean it will. But that shouldn't stop us from loving one another. With that, hear me, you will get hurt. Emotionally, there'll be up and down times, sometimes taken advantage of. And my friend, hear me, if there's any consolation in that, all of that happened to Jesus and even more. He was betrayed by his friends. He was denied by his friends. They fell asleep on him. And eventually the people that he preached to on a day-to-day -day basis hung him on a cross. But that didn't stop him from loving his neighbors. And because of that, we're here today. Friends, we all desire friendships and we need them. But don't mix the call with loving your neighbor with trying to make everyone your friend. Love your neighbor well and those that are different. And if they become a friend, great. If not, at least you held on to the command to love others. True friendship and fellowship take vulnerability. Jesus shared his life with those that were closest to him, those 12. He actually gave his life for many. And after the 12 finally got it, they left everything they had behind, all their lives, livelihoods. And 10 of the 12 literally died for the faith, for their friend. So with that family, don't miss this. Holding on to Jesus' commandment to love our neighbors is not only what Jesus calls us to do as believers, but when we do, we gain friends. We get fellowship. But what is even more important than that is that when we hold on to the command, as Jesus says in the text, he then calls us friends. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a friend of God. Because regardless, if someone turns their back on me or lets me down, there's a friend that's closer than any brother, any sister, that said he loves me. So regardless of what you or anybody else thinks of me I'm working and living from a place of love and approval that's a friendship that can't nobody take from me and that allows me to walk forward and love others with the same grace the same love and the same truth 
So family, I know this is a tough time to have true fellowship and have true friendship. But let us not let the circumstances around us stop us from loving one another. Which may mean some of us need to really re-engage in a community, in our church family, in a small group. Some of us need to take time and discern the levels of friendship with the people in our lives. Who are my acquaintances? Who are my casual friends, my close friends, my intimate friends? Some of us just need to step into fellowship for the first time in the church. Wherever you are, family, let's make a commitment to be committed to fellowship. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You are an awesome God. God, we do thank you for calling us friend first and loving us the way that you've loved us. Even though we get off track and we see this so apparent and clear with your disciples that turn their back on you, betrayed you, but you still love them enough to go to the cross. Father, I do ask for the person and pray for them now that's in here that's saying, I've had a tough time with fellowship. My friends just feel like they're not there. I don't, I'm by myself. I'm lonely right now in this pandemic as most feel this. God, I pray that they would feel your presence. They would know that you're there. That in the midst of all that has forsaken them or the feelings that they may have, that they would know the fact and the truth of your word, that you are near to the brokenhearted, you heal the one that's contrite in spirit, that you're closer than a brother. When mother and father forsake us, you pick us up. God, I pray that that's where we find ourselves in the identity of a child of the most high king that calls us friend. And we would work and live from that place and we would love from that place because we have first been loved. God, let us be committed to fellowship. And let's see this city and world change because of what you're doing in and through us. God, we thank you and we love you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.